good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrero here with a very special guest from Pro Football Focus and the Unexpected Points podcast, Kevin Cole. Kevin, thanks for a few minutes. Well, thank you for having me. So do I, do I call you Rob or do I call you Stats? Whatever you would prefer is fine with me. Okay, Sir Stats, maybe. Let's, let, let, let's get it going. I would like to be knighted. So if you have any sort of connection there, just, you know, I'm down for that. Okay. Um, I appreciate you kind of wading into enemy territory here because I got to tell you, um, Kevin hosts the Unexpected Points podcast, and you had an idea that was so good that when I first heard of it, it wasn't even like, oh, that's good. My first thought was, oh, I wish I could steal that, which was blasphemous NFL takes, which I think is just an incredible idea. And one of your blasphemous NFL takes was that Kyle Shanahan is not a top 10 head coach in the NFL. I put it on 49ers and five and my mentions just blew up. So you gave me a whole day's worth of content. How did you arrive at this particular thought? Okay. So I guess Shanahan has been on, on and off of my radar for the last few years now. Uh, even in this brief conversation that we had before recording, there has been a bit of a swinging back and forth in the opinion on him. Obviously, the results have been dramatically different, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo has been there. Uh, we're talking about the highest of the highs, getting to the Super Bowl or, or the conference championship game, and then flying back in the other direction and not even coming close to making the playoffs another year. So it's probably something in the life cycle now. I think where Shanahan is viewed highly, maybe not at the same level as he was after the 2019 season, but better than he was after a, a down 2020. So I still think the perception is a little bit too high. So that, that's where it starts from. Now, as far as the number is concerned, yeah, yeah to take it behind the take window a little bit here, you know, uh, how the, in the sausage, how the sausage is being made here. You know, saying top 10, I was going to say not a top five, but does that really doesn't really get the juices flowing? Like saying, like saying, not, not a top ten, and I could get to ten names. I probably have to cheat slightly and maybe throw some guys like Sean Payton and others in there who are not currently head coaches. But for me, it's just more about viewing him in totality versus viewing him as an offensive play caller, as a scheme guy that everyone seems to agree he's one of the top guys. And for me, it's more like as a head coach, everything you do in the system, everything you do from a macro perspective, everything you do is how you interact with the front office, at least how I've seen there. And for that, it gives me enough pause that I can lean in other directions before him, at least for the top 10 names that I would pick. Yeah, I think there's definitely two distinct Kyle Shanahan's. There's Kyle Shanahan, the coach on the field, and there's Kyle Shanahan, the GM, and he is the de facto GM there. He hired John Lynch. People could say what they want. It's Kyle's show. Uh, I would say Kyle, the coach, is way greater than Kyle, the general manager. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we even discussed this in the podcast that if we could just make him an insanely high paid offensive coordinator. I feel like that would be the ideal role for him, but it's not going to have the same attraction. And there are teams that are obviously going to be willing to give him the head coach coaching position. And once you do, it's hard to say, stay in your lane to a head coach when it happens, because you just have to really try to hire the person who's going to naturally do that a little bit more than just hope someone's going to change their stripes and how they've interacted with the front office in the past. I I don't know. I think you're not quite giving him enough credit as a head coach because I can make an argument when my core, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, when my quarterback plays 16 games or 17 games, I make the Super Bowl. We saw it with Matt Ryan and we saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019. Now, Garoppolo didn't play every game this past season. They still made it to the NFC championship game. 
That's a pretty impressive feather in a coach's hat, I think. Yeah, I think it, it is. Um, I think there are other examples which maybe aren't quite as impressive. I mean, let's remember that Shanahan was in Atlanta for the 2015 season and not just the 2016 season where Ryan, to that point, had his worst statistical season of his career. Julio Jones played all those games there. It wasn't like anyone was out. And then even in the Super Bowl season, you know, they kind of snuck into the playoffs and then made their run all the way to the Super Bowl. So yep. maybe not the strongest team there. And the two uh, extended playoff runs with the 49ers. I mean, the offense wasn't really good, I would say, during either one of those runs. And uh, the defense really beat down, especially in 2019, on the competition there. So, again, it's like how much credit do you give to Shanahan for building you know, a defensive staff for being involved with the front office that ended up having this really great defense. Cause I think in some ways that is probably an underplayed point here is that for the last few seasons, at least they've had a very strong defensive performance. And that has really been the thing you can rely upon more than anything else. Uh, I agree that defenses have been tremendous, but I think you have to give Kyle credit for that, especially because now we've seen two different hand-picked coordinators have really good defenses, right? Salah and D'Amico Ryans, Shanahan hired both guys. So doesn't that go to his credit? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm willing to give some credit for that, but it just goes to saying like how much of that can be re replaced or not. And again, I feel like for Shanahan, if we're going to talk about what is something that he can do that no one else can do, people are going to rely upon more of the offensive side and the offensive scheme. I know you said when Garoppolo has been there, they've been good. And when he hasn't been there, they haven't been so good, but maybe I would say, you know, I think it's seven and 27 without Garoppolo. So that would be for, uh, you know, in our new world of 17 game seasons, that'd be three and a half wins a year. And I understand the quarterbacks, you know, Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, you know, you're no one's writing home about those guys, but <laughs> how much, you know, how much slack are we cutting someone to win three, four games in a 17 season, you know, multiple times, if you had that sort of play, I would think you would get a little bit more of an elevation there. And I also think that Jimmy Garoppolo, like maybe he's not as middling as some, some people think. I mean, he performed fairly well when he was with new England, you know, limited, li limited sample, but he was pretty good. He was there he, when he came in as a for a second round pick, that was seen as being a steal at the time. And remember, the Niners were one in 10. So they were looking like they were going to have potentially the first or second pick of that of that second round. So I just feel like we don't have enough to quite look so far down on Jimmy. And I especially think coming off of this thing, the shoulder surgery, everything else, people are pretty down on him right now for a season where outside of the playoffs, before the playoffs, before some of these primetime games where he was where he was failing, he was having a good year. And he was having statistically another another good year for him. I can't go with you on that one, by the way. Sadly, it's eight and 28 without Jimmy Garoppolo. Eight and 28. So close. I, close. I think Jimmy stinks. I think that if Jimmy goes to another team this year, you're going to you're going to look at him and you're going to be like, my God, what, how did they ever get where they got with him? Because yeah. he he throws the ball close to the line of scrimmage and still turns it over and turns it over at crushing times, like crucial backbreaking times. I don't know how you can combine those two things. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get into the back breakedness of the, of the turnovers, but that's something that's got a little bit, a little bit, a little bit harder to judge, but I'll just say that he plays a high risk and you wouldn't think it's a high reward style of play because he doesn't throw the ball down the field, but he throws it over the middle of the field. And what happens when you throw the ball in the middle of the field Turnover rates, interception mm -hmm. rates are higher generally all the time. What is also higher is 
your ability to convert third downs, if you can do that because you're throwing it to the spaces in the zone, which he is excellent at. He's one of the best third down efficiency quarterbacks in the league. And you also increase your run after catch ability of your receivers. If you can hit them in the middle of the field, you have the entire field to then uh, access and to continue running as opposed to being on the sideline where it's much more difficult. And those are two things that we've seen has been big parts, not only of his game, but of his receivers game. And again, he is his best relative to the rest of the NFL on third down. So this is normally plays where there's not really a threat of running the ball. These are plays where we're not play action we're talking about here. Often these are plays we're talking about out of the shotgun. All things that you wouldn't think Shanahan is having a major influence on him. Statistically, at least, his advanced stats point to him as being excellent for multiple seasons in those third down situations. So again, that's another area where I do not think Shanahan has as big of an influence as he does with the larger scheme and early downs, play action, all that stuff. Can you explain that a little bit? Because I think that that's going to maybe surprise some people. So why Shanahan is the one designing whatever play they call on third down. So when you say Shanahan doesn't have as big an an effect, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you're going to group together, let's say similar quarterbacks who maybe aren't Shanahan quarterbacks, but they're quarterbacks that people would say the scheme is supporting them and they're not able to make plays in a way that that goes on them. They're like a Baker Mayfield, uh, Kirk Cousins, if you wanted to throw him as being one mm-hmm. of those guys that falls into that situation. What you typically find with their numbers is, especially when this comes to Mayfield, much better uh, with play action than without, uh, better on early downs than on third down or fourth down. Because, I mean, the NFL on third down, if it's even third and three, you're passing the ball like 75, 80% of the time. Once you get into third and four, third and five, you're almost always passing the ball. So it's there's not really like the credible threat of running the ball there. So in those sorts of situations, like Shanahan is known and, and, and those other guys in the systems they play where they're known of having, you, it's predicated on the run and then you're, you're passing off of that to create explosive plays. And that's how those quarterbacks are able to up their numbers. So it's just Jimmy's not necessarily doing in the same sort of way. I know that like I said, the interceptions can look bad sometimes when he throws it over the middle of the field, but he's converting those third downs on such a higher level that it even makes up for the fact that there can be some negatives on third down. Man, you're giving credit to Jimmy God. You can't do that on <laughs> like, a Niners Nation podcast. I, 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 mean, I, I like the guy. I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit of a truther. I'm a little bit of a truther. So we'll see what ends up <laughs> happening when, when he goes somewhere else. But I guess it's just like if someone multiple seasons is performing at – He's performing at a high level. I mean, not from, again, even our PFF grades is a little like apocryphal that I'm not going to go by those, but his grades are have been up and down, but his pure efficiency has been pretty good. So could Shanahan drive even greater efficiency with someone else? It's definitely possible. But when you're getting, you know, borderline top five type of efficiency numbers out of your quarterback, I don't know. I, I have trouble not giving him some credit for that, at least. Well, the, the truth is in the middle, right? It's not all yes. Shanahan and it's not all Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Kyle's good at certain things. Jimmy's good at certain things. And when they meet in the middle, that's why they've had maybe the success that they have had. There's another side to this. And I'm interested to hear how you kind of threw this into the stew. And it's it's hard to quantify, right? But I feel like when you listen to the people that have played for Kyle, past or present, they all pretty much sing his praises in terms of offensive play design and things like that. Joe Thomas, um, I think you mentioned, was it Mitchell Schwartz or somebody? I can't remember who it was. Um, I have yet to find the guy that's like, you know what? That Kyle Shanahan, he ain't always cooked up to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I perceive that there's there's something there, right? There's clearly something there with them. And I would just say that a lot of the disputes when it comes to 
you know, uh, nerds like myself versus football players and how the perception goes. It isn't that they're wrong. Like they're wrong that Shanahan is a, is a genius or Shanahan is such a great schemer. Shanahan knows how to implement these things. It's just being able to figure out how valuable that is versus maybe someone who's a little bit worse of a schemer, but they would skew things in, I don't know, from a run pass ratio in a little bit different direction or do other things that are a little bit easier for me to at least wrap my head around. And I remember even what I mentioned before is Mitchell Schwartz was talking about that 2014 Cleveland Browns season. They went seven and nine with, for the Cleveland Browns. That's like, you know, that was like a super bowl. Basically <laughs> that one year, everyone wanted him to stay around. People were talking about Brian Hoyer as if he was a good quarterback. And then, you know, I start to dig into some of the, the numbers there and it was still a bottom 10 defense as far I mean, offense, as far as their total efficiency, Brian Hoyer was third to last in his QBR, the, it's, it's like this expected points based metric that ESPN has there and their defense actually performed pretty well. It was like a top 12 ish sort of defense out of nowhere. So even then, you know, I'm willing to give some credit in that direction, but like you're saying, I'm just going somewhere in between somewhere in the middle. So when I combine just all of these doubts all together, that's when it gives me enough collective doubts about Shanahan. One of the things you mentioned in terms of like how we can grade a head coach is like fourth down play calling. And one of the things that I have constantly railed on Kyle Shanahan about is he is, he has that NFC West disease where they're all super conservative. I don't know what is going on in the NFC West. McVay has the same thing. Like they can't wait to punt the ball on fourth down. It drives me nuts, but I did look last year and with the two games that Trey Lance started, they did go for it on fourth down seven times in those two games. Now five of them came in the first game, but I'm hoping that maybe with Trey Lance at quarterback, Kyle's tendency in that area is changing. Am I being too hopeful or do you think we could see a shift? No, I think there has been a shift over the years. I mean, if you look at the totality of his time in San Francisco, so 2017, all the way through last year, the 49ers, and this is what, when we're going by this, this model saying they have like at least a 2% win probability gains, we put those in buckets, like they should definitely go for it in this situation. Uh, the 49ers are fifth lowest as far as their, their attempt there. So there is that history. You're right. It has gotten better. And maybe part of it is a conservatism when it comes to throwing the ball in some of these situations. So with Lance there, I do think that opens up a ton. I think it's great for an offense period in third, you know, third and short, fourth and short to be running the ball more often with a running quarterback in particular. I know a lot of people associate stats guides as like just pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, but that's actually been a place in the NFL where it could, it should be going the other direction that a lot of teams don't mm -hmm. run the ball in those circumstances, because I think, I think from a, like a regret and a feeling sort of standpoint, if you run the ball and the guy gets stuffed, it just is like a gut punch. And you think that play did not have a chance. Whereas if someone rolls out and you know, you're thinking about three different guys to throw it to, and then you throw it and it goes off of someone's hands, you could think, Oh, well, that was a good play, but it just didn't get executed well. So I think from that standpoint, maybe the fact that Lance brings in brings in that additional option to the running game, you're not just handing it off in those situations, that should give him a reason to go for it. And, he, and you know, he, again, with Jimmy, I feel like he should be doing it more often because he's pretty good at converting third downs. So normally those guys are, are pretty good at converting fourth downs too. I think part of it on fourth down with Jimmy was, I don't think that Kyle ever fully trusted him, honestly. Yeah. I, I think that, Worst comes to worst, Kyle was looking for a reason not to give Jimmy Garoppolo the ball, which is part of the reason Debo Samuel got the ball so much. And thank God for Debo Samuel, the ultimate get out of jail free card. When they would get in the red zone last year, it was like first down. Let's just hand it to Debo. Maybe he'll score and then we don't have to let Jimmy throw it. 
Yeah, yeah. He definitely did not have faith in Jimmy. And it goes, I mean, the Debo thing was an incredible run for Debo. Let's see how he ends up being used last year. Touchdown rate, probably going to come down slightly <laughs> from, from how often he was able to score. But, I mean, this goes back to even 20, a lot of what was happening in 2019, having the great defense, having that style of play, having some erratic play down the stretch, the Super Bowl, we saw some clamming up in certain circumstances. He got grief for throwing it too much in the second half, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. If it wasn't for a tipped pass and some other things that had happened, they easily could have won that game. But for me, that's another aspect where I get it. Jimmy is scary, right? He throws interceptions, but at a certain point, you have to be able to lean into the strengths of your team and the strengths of Jimmy Garoppolo are that on average, he's going to do well, but there is that big risk factor. So you have to be willing to accept the, the bigger risk for the fact that over a longer timeline, it's going to end up working out for you. That's easy to say, you know, over a 16 game season over whatever, but it's tougher to say in, on a series of downs or on one particular play. But I feel like leaning in on that is what you have to do. Sometimes you have to just plug your nose and lean into it. And he was not willing to do that. So that's kind of another maybe downside of what I've seen from him. We'll see with Lance though. I mean, this could be one of the most run heavy teams of all time if, if it ends up coming to it this season. What does Kyle really want to be, though? Does he want to be that? Because when I look back at the Falcons with Matt Ryan, I don't think of them as a run first team. And they clearly have been that under under Shanahan with the 49ers. Yeah, well, I mean, the Falcons defense stunk. So that was (laughs) I think that was part of it. Another part of it was at least in that 2016 season, like the efficiency that they got out of Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones was averaging, I think, 18 yards of reception for a guy who gets like 170 targets or something like that. I mean, the year before, Julio Jones had over 200 targets, much, much worse efficiency that season. So it didn't end up working as well. But you're right. They leaned into a lot. I just don't know, like Shanahan and Lance, I know there's like this whole, does he want uh, uh, Mac Jones or not, or what ended up happening He never there. wanted Mac Jones. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, to, to tell it to Adam Schefter, not me. Um, so, <laughs> but then, you know, Matt, when you think about Matt Ryan, suppose his supposed love for Kirk Cousins, I don't know. I'd again, I don't know how much that's true <laughs> or not, but, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know if he, like, I do think he likes a guy who's going to step back there and just throw the ball um, execute exactly what he's going going to do, even if it is a short pass. So with Lance, there's going to be more free. I know there was like this story about him not liking Jimmy Garoppolo freelancing. Well, there's going to be more freelancing with Trey Lance, at least in when it comes to rolling out and doing other things. So we'll see how that plays into this general kind of the, the general tendency to go conservative, whether that gets ramped, ramped up or down now with Lance there. I think that there's going to have to be an adjustment with Kyle because I think that he in his mind, like you dropping back and hitting the check down and getting five yards on a first down is better than Lance dropping back, missing an open guy and scrambling five yards for a first down. Like Kyle wants, he wants to just be the controller basically. And you go throw it wherever I tell you to throw it. I think he's going to have to adjust to the fact that one Trey's just going to miss some open stuff this year. And two, Sometimes like he's going to bail you out and he's going to, he's going to help you maybe when you make a bad call, make something out of nothing, which they never got with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of a general maybe problem sometimes when it comes to even someone brilliant like Shannon, if you say, well, if the quarterback executes, you know, X, you know, a through Z, the way that I want him to execute, we will be successful. Well, you're, that's just not going to happen. Like no one's going to be able to execute in that way. So giving yourself extra outs with a quarterback who maybe doesn't execute quite as well for your brilliant scheme, but can pull these plays out and can make value 
pretty much on his own is just worth worth so much. So again, who knows how he feels about it, but if you don't see that sort of value there, I think that's also a mistake is relying too much upon the execution where there's, there's just a certain level you're not going to get above with almost any quarterback when it comes to an execution standpoint. I just want to point out, you just called Kyle Shanahan brilliant. Well, maybe his own brilliance. Maybe I think about this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's not top 10 hat. like last week. Now hey, he's brilliant. I've no, he could be brilliant. He could be brilliant. And I still would not necessarily have him top 10 because, again, it's not just about brilliance. It's about implementing that brilliance and it's about executing what is really important. And also, it's about humility when it comes to a lot of these things, too. And it's not just like humility deferring to other people or this that it's just knowing that there is like kind of a great degree of randomness and a lot of stuff that goes on here and i think sometimes if you can be too much of a again if you execute a through z then it's going to work that can end up biting you in the end i agree that i think kyle thinks that he can account for all that stuff at least 90 percent of it i really think that he thinks that he can figure out a way through all of it um what would he have to do this year if you were to do this next year, leave him off your list of uh, blasphemous NFL takes. Is there something that he could do or some season the 49ers could have where you would say, okay, I feel differently about him? Well, I mean, if they, if they perform really well with Lance there, I think that's that's something that I would be that I would definitely be impressed by. Again, we're going off of Matt Ryan, who's like, I don't know, borderline Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame. Who knows? Some people probably think that he has a chance. It probably could depend a lot on what happens here in, in uh, Indianapolis with a pretty good team right now. But so we have Matt Ryan and we have what happened with Garoppolo. So I think there's kind of two, the flip side of two things, how Lance performs, how everything performs here. Maybe even if the defense is, is not playing as well, although I think the defense should be strong this year. And on the flip side, I don't know if Jimmy is going to get a chance to play somewhere else, but if he does go and play somewhere else, if he goes, if he tanks, you know, everyone's going to say, see, that's the reason that was going there. So at least it's some it's some evidence in that in that direction. And again, you know, who knows? These are blasphemous takes. These are hot takes. I could be next week. I could be I, I could be flipping things around. So uh, I, I'm willing to always be open to change my mind. Well, we do appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you very much. Again, you can hear him on the Unexpected Points podcast. You can also follow him on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. You made me smarter. I feel like I'm going to convert you. The longer we talk, I feel like you're coming over to my side. I think so. I think so. Another another few minutes that could be the case. Otherwise, I'll just keep giving you some some chum to to feed out to, to the audience <laughs> here uh, because there, it is fun. It is fun. There's like Shanna stands. So I consider myself a uh, Shanna skeptic as of now. And we'll see. See, that doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. All right. Let's cut that part out. Cut that part out. <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with something new for the next time. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus. I really enjoyed that conversation. Okay, coming up on Wednesday, next up is Evan Roberts from WFAN, one of my favorite people in this business. He is a massive, massive Jets fan. I want to ask him, why isn't Zach Wilson getting the same shade that Trey Lance seems to be getting from everybody this offseason? Wilson definitely had his struggles, yet nobody seems to want to talk about that. We'll find out why that is on Wednesday. Enjoy your Monday. Everybody, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk soon.